Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Schiller Hamilton podcast. Today, we have David Manzi, who's come down from Beaufort to talk with us about dram shop liability and what that is. So I have a, a bunch of questions. But first of all, um, David, where does the term even come from? Well, the dram shop, we we're talking about basically um, uh, alcohol use. And, and dram, the word dram itself was an old English way of measuring the amount of alcohol that was given to a person. And I believe it's uh, three quarters of a teaspoon is, was a dram. And somehow along the way that got picked up as being the term used in the type of liability cases that we're going to talk about today. So uh, you've already kind of mentioned that it is about liability. So would you go ahead and kind of explain the difference between what a first party liability and a third party liability is in terms of dram shop? Certainly. The, the, it's basically what we consider a third-party liability, which means they weren't directly involved with the negligent act that took place. Let's you, use as, as an example, you, you're struck by a driver. You're driving along, and a driver hits your car, and they're found to be under the influence of alcohol, a DUI. Uh-huh. So th- that gives a heightened awareness in terms of the, uh, the type of claim that you can do because now you can trace back as to where did that person get the alcohol that made him um, intoxicated. And if you can trace that back to a business establishment, and then you can trace it to find out that the business establishment knowingly gave him more alcohol than they should, given his condition, we can hold the business establishment liable for his actions. So they're kind of like the third person. They weren't involved in the car accident itself, but they're the ones that... um, uh, help that person, if you will, get intoxicated, which then caused the, uh, the accident. So that's the, that's, is the most common way that, um, dram shop liability comes into play. Um, there are requirements though. You have to show and demonstrate that the establishment, uh, knowingly continued to give liquor to the person when he appeared obviously intoxicated. Um, and, and that's usually done through, um, through witnesses. Sometimes these establishments have video cameras. Uh, I had a case a, a number of years ago uh, where the person became intoxicated, uh, got into a fight with this elderly gentleman at the establishment, punched him, and actually killed the person. It was a one punch, just happened to hit him in the right spot, and the person fell and hit the ground. We actually had video surveillance that we got from the establishment that showed that this person was obviously intoxicated. Being intoxicated is something that the average person can see. It doesn't take an expert to know when somebody is intoxicated. Um, and we can see on the video that even though this person was obviously intoxicated, the bartenders kept on serving him liquor. We actually can see that. Uh, and it wasn't even like he was asking for it almost. It was just kind of bringing it to him and, and giving it to him. So that was an easy case in terms of proving the liability side that they gave the alcohol to a knowingly intoxicated person. Um, the other way you can establish liability is if you find out, say the person that struck you and they were intoxicated is under the age of, uh, under the drinking age, is a minor. Well, then you can go back and find out where did they get that liquor from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, it's, it's even more than just doing it from an, a, a bar or restaurant establishment. You can even go to... Um, to uh, an ABC store or any store that sold liquor to no, to the minor. Now, they can say, well, we didn't know they were a minor. Um, but a lot of times, again, it's obvious that a person is using a fake ID. 
Uh, and that's why a lot of establishments uh, basically card you if you look like you're under the age of 35. You're talking about the scan function. Yeah. And that's a database that they use to reference? It's a, well, it's a, is it a government program? That, that I'm not, um, You're not too uh, sure? I'm not sure of. But this, this normally happens. In fact, um, take, take a case where a person goes into a Parker store, Parker convenience store, a minor, and they purchase a bunch of beer. And the Parker store, say, doesn't even card them. Or, or is there obviously a minor, and they obviously have what looks like a fake ID, but they sell them the beer anyways, and then that person gets into an accident later on. You can go back and hold Parker's liable for selling the liquor to a minor. So the and fact that they're using a fake ID doesn't affect their liability in that on, case on, against on, the establishment? Yeah, on, only to the extent that it wouldn't have been obvious to the the person but again then you go into training because you can do in terms of the um, how did parker train their employees to be on the lookout for not selling liquor to minors what steps do they take if they're suspicious about it do they err on the side of caution so there, there's a lot of aspects you can get into in order to prove the liability aspect of that and the same holds true for for a bar or restaurant that would serve a minor they're going to be liable if that minor then gets into a uh, an accident and it's shown that the uh, they, the accident was caused by them being intoxicated. So that's a great point and I'd love to ask um, in, in a more in-depth who is actually liable is it the bar and the bartender and maybe a vendor if it's a contractor they're at an event like how far does liability go is it a lot like trucking accidents where it's kind of horizontal and you have to sure. go to multiple entities to find the liability? Well, it's, it's, it's pretty sad. In this case, it's the liability is just going to be with the end seller, the, the person, whether it's the, the bartender and then by... Uh, That's what the policy was. And then, then to the, the owner of the, the restaurant. The restaurant or the bar is really the person that's going to be responsible. And in the Parker situation, the company Parker's would be um, responsible for, uh, for that. Or any, any convenience store or any kind of liquor store that sold the, uh, the liquor to a minor, they're going to be responsible to that. Um, and they're the ones that usually have the in, insurance on that. So that's, that's what you look for. Um, we, so far we've only really talked about restaurants and bars, but that's not the only aspect that this can be involved in. Can you talk about how it can be involved socially with just house parties and, and when right. there's not an establishment involved? Right. A social party. I mean, think of any, any time you have a party at your house or or even and actually the social aspect of this arose more from uh, what happened on college campuses at fraternity houses okay uh, you have a keg party at your fraternity house okay and uh, there's a number of college students who are underage just by the nature most freshmen and sophomores are probably going to be underage um, but they come to your fraternity party and then you get your fraternity party uh, you don't check anybody's ID normally and you don't do anything. Well, one of those freshmen, you know, leaves your party intoxicated and gets into an accident. We can hold whoever held that social party responsible. Uh, the difference between the social establishment and the business establishment is on the social side, it only applies to minors. It doesn't apply to someone who was of age. So uh, you, your fraternity brother who's 22 years old and gets drunk and gets into an accident, the fraternity can't be held liable for that. But they will be held liable for the 18-year-old freshman who got intoxicated and got into an accident. And the same would hold true if you had a house party. And, and, and again, uh, if you had a house party and you served 
liquor and there were miners there and you didn't check and you served the liquor to the miners and the miner gets into an accident as the homeowner, you're going to be responsible and that's going to fall under your homeowner's, uh, insurance policy. Um, and a lot of that, then this is just in the whole scope of third party liability. Any, anytime we have any type of claim, we, we always look to whether there's third party liability to expand the, the, the base of insurance compensation that may be, available. It's not happens in, in, in every case, but these dram shop cases and the social drinking cases, it can happen. And it's something that we always have to be aware of and look to. So we don't stop at the person who caused the accident. We do trace that back to see where that liquor came from in the first place. And if there's potential third party liability. So, so this isn't just everything's thrown on whoever served the alcohol, this the person who had drunk driving as well, that person is still held with liability. They're not off the hook just because oh, sure. it's a yeah, big yeah. organization. They're, they're, they're not off the hook, but the, the problem you have, like in the, in the situation with the minor, uh, the minor's not going to have insurance or probably any wherewithal uh, in terms of uh, compensating the injured party unless they came under their, uh, their parents' homeowner's policy or something like that. So it, it, they're never off the hook. So, so this the, is, the original liability tort feeser, if you will, is never off the hook. So this is something interesting because I can actually speak on this because I was the house manager of a fraternity and we host parties and uh, we had a risk management team. Um, uh, we basically split it up to every 10 brothers. There's one brother who's on watch and would rotate and we would hire the police. The local police would come and we would have them card people who came in. Sure. So the liability was put on the police because we paid them as an organization because it technically is a company. Uh, so, so just for people who, who know, it's not just a crap shoot and, you know, anything can happen. There are ways to protect yourself against these, you know, and of course, even, even though you're a plaintiff's lawyer, you don't want to like dry up all your cases. It is important to know that we don't condone it and we don't want this to happen. And we, we would wish that the laws and the way that people would try to prevent this, because you, you, you mentioned that some policies that, like, larger corporations will have in terms of, like, training. and Is that somewhere you look? It's kind of like, all right, I, I noticed you have training, but it's still inadequate, and that can still hold liability. So even if you have training, it might not be enough. Sure. Yeah. It's, yeah a lot of people have policy and procedure manuals, but then they never train their people. It's just having the manual just isn't having enough. Just having the manual the is not going to be enough. And that's why when we do discovery in these kind of cases, we, we get right down to the – nitty gritty in terms of, okay, you got policies and procedures. Okay. How many training classes do you have? Where do you special trains in the course of discovery? We can take the deposition of the bartender, for instance, and they, uh, did you ever receive any training on how to properly card somebody or how to determine whether you thought a person was a minor or not, or it's not so much training. Like I mentioned before, sometimes it's obvious when somebody is intoxicated, but you also you give a little heightened responsibility to the bartender behind the bar because they do that for a living, and and they're the first ones mm -hmm. that should be cutting people off. Definitely. Okay. When somebody's like, when somebody asks for another drink and they say, "I'm sorry, sir, uh, I think you've had enough for the night." When I was bartending, yeah. they had a stipulation in the contract when we signed up to work there that if there was any cases brought against the bar off of something that we had done, we were liable for some of the money, like up to $4,000 mm -hmm. for if they had a $20,000 fine. So that's just something that yeah. I mean, you'll see, they'll start to protect themselves against their own employees. Yeah, because so Sometimes it doesn't turn into a liability issue from an accident point of view. I mean, you, you're, you're, it's against the law for you to serve liquor to a minor. You could lose your license. You could lose your license. That's an even bigger problem that people don't think about is that that's the end of the business. And so it's going to be really hard 
to get that money if and I guess you, and I guess you always have to be worried because sometimes they may do an undercover uh, sting operation on the bar just to see if very you often are serving. I had that happen to me before too. Yeah. So, and and, and that's that's uh, the issue. I mean, it's uh, it's always an unfortunate situation uh, in the and usually a, a DUI accidents tend to be the more severe accidents that you have mm-hmm. because it, it's it's a little more simple than somebody just doing something like. Uh, I didn't stop at the stop sign or something like that. They're usually driving very fast, driving very erratically, and you tend to find that those wrecks are, are a lot more serious than the normal car accident that you have. Um, and it does also allow, uh, when we have those kind of accidents, uh, we can also seek punitive damages against the driver and potentially against the third-party liability person. So what for, kind of damages are you looking for with in terms of that liability once it's proven? Like how far can you push it? Like what are what are they fully responsible for? Well, they're totally responsible for all everything. Like in any tort case, for the medical bills and uh, pain and suffering, lost if, wages, if it's even. lost wages, or if it could be a wrongful death case. But punitive damages are are above and beyond that. Punitive damages are there to kind of punish the act. So the so, and the punitive damage could be whatever the jury wants to award. Uh, it's um, and they can be quite high. Uh, and again, usually the, the, the tort fees or the original tort fees or uh, person who hit the other car is not going to have the means to pay that punitive side, but the third party liability establishment may. And that's the other reason why you look to the third party uh, establishment, if you can, uh, to prove liability against them, because again, it opens that, that compensation pile. And, and uh, we want to make sure that we search and get the, the best compensation we can for our clients and to look for all available sources for that compensation. So we never just stop at the car accident. We're going to go backwards. So for the party that did get intoxicated, is there any part of the dram shop laws that actually protect them from a lawsuit if they've been overserved? No. Is that not... On them, because no, it's always no, it's it's, it's always always on them because then you see the intoxicated person doesn't have the mental capacity usually at the time they're intoxicated to know they had enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, and sometimes it's up to that. That's why it's up to the bartender to know when they're going to cut them off, uh, and 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 a minor is never going to be off the hook because they knowingly. They know they were a minor at the time they took the liquor in the first place. It's kind of a lose-lose in yeah. a way. Yeah. So everybody's going to be uh, on the hook, the person who caused the uh, the accident and the potential third-party uh, liability. So ultimately, bars are liable for drunk drivers? If they knowingly serve the drunk driver. Now, if, if somebody, I mean, they, there can be the case, and I, I, I know people who sometimes get intoxicated with one or two drinks, and they don't look knowingly intoxicated. Uh, the bar would not be liable in in that situation. It's only when you can prove that the the bar establishment knowingly or should have known that the person was intoxicated and they should have stopped serving them. You know, so the, the, they do have an adf- a defense if they can demonstrate. Well, the person didn't look intoxicated, yeah. and again, and the only way you're going to prove that is through the use of eyewitnesses or if there are surveillance cameras. Fortunately. Most of these establishments do have surveillance cameras. Uh, so that's the first thing we do in these kind of cases is request that the, the surveillance uh, videos be preserved and, uh, and produced during discovery so we can see. Like in that one case I told you, we actually had the video showing serving a knowingly intoxicated person. That's the best way to prove it. Okay. So video evidence is, is Video really is always best. People believe what they see. 
definitely. Yeah. Well, I think um, this basically answers all my questions I had about Dram Shop Law. Is there anything else that you want to um, emphasize or add context to? No, j- 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 just again that whenever, uh, hopefully, um, you're never in that situation, but but know that uh, that when we see that kind of situation, we're going to trace it back and try to find everything we can in terms of who may be ultimately liable for it. So I, I lied. I did have one last question. Sure. And um, I'm just curious in the context of just seeing how important dram shop law is in your own experience with drunk driving cases, how many of them typically involve dram shop where the, you, you push liability onto the bar or is it more uncommon? It's, 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 probably, it's not all that common because again, it's sometimes it's hard to prove and trace back. If there's um, not a security camera, if there's, yeah, if there's not, not a security good, camera, good log you know. of, of transactions, if they're doing cash and they just don't have a paper trail. Yeah, we, we something you always look at, but sometimes you can't always prove. So it doesn't mean that we don't look for it, though. So what if there's multiple bars? If they hop in bar to bar to bar, does well, everyone liable or just the last one who ever served? No, and, and that, that's an interesting question. In that situation, if, if at every establishment the person was knowingly intoxicated, you, you can hold every one of them responsible. There was a hotel when um, we were out in Orlando. They had sister hotels nearby, and there was a guy who came in at the bar who was really drunk. He called up the other hotels and said, this guy's going to come by. Do not serve sure. him. Yeah. Little did he know those were the only bars open that late mm-hmm. at night. So, yeah. But if you, if you again, the, the whole question is if you can prove he was knowingly intoxicated. That's all you When need. they served him, uh, it goes right down the chain. If there was multiple bars involved, well, then we would go after the multiple bars. Definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you, David, so much right. for coming in and talking with us about it. Love okay. the information. I hope it's helpful for all of you out there. And if you have any more questions or you want to hear more topics, please feel free to reach out to us. Right. Thank Thank you, you, David. Thank you. Have a great day.